Howdy folks, welcome to our podcast, Life in the Saddle. This is Ben Longwell with True West Horsemanship. We're glad you're here. Join us as we share stories and adventures and interview extraordinary men and women in the equine and ranching industries to gain insight into horsemanship and life itself. It is our mission to help people and their horses better understand one another and achieve together that which they cannot do individually. Thanks for riding along with us. There's a phrase I've heard nearly everywhere I've been while talking with horse folks. Most often it's during the start of my clinics. We're all introducing ourselves, telling a little bit about what we do with horses, what our experience is. And the words that I've heard so many times, I'm just a trail rider, or in New Zealand they call it hacking. They'll say, I just hack out, or just a happy hacker. Well, I'd like to talk a little about what this is basically saying and, and really the implications of this mindset. Anytime we say just, it's a limiting word, it has a cap on it. There's doubt or there's restriction there. Just, just a trail rider. Now, it's not that it's intentional when they say this. But it seems to me like a way to set the standard low or the expectations low, whether for oneself or when describing what one does, and so then the expectations of others. We've set those standards, those expectations low. It implies a casual approach or one that is not too demanding in schedule or timetable or technicalities. And that of the riding being mainly a hobby and pursuit of pleasure. Now, don't get me wrong. Of course, there's nothing wrong with enjoying horses as a hobby, not wanting to compete or show, being laid back. Being laid back in our approach can mean we take more time in working through things. That can be a really good thing. But I don't believe having a simple hobby like trail riding excuses us from pursuing the best approaches and increasing our knowledge on purpose in every way that we can. Now, there are plenty of folks who approach trail riding as simply an enjoyable pastime with no ambition to understand the horse better or improve their riding or any of that. And a person may get along doing this in a very average way for a long, long time especially with a good horse. Let's be honest. It doesn't take much skill to sit on a horse as it follows along nose to tail up the trail. But it does a major disservice to both the rider and the horse, and the consequences can sometimes be dramatic. First of all, many times the rider ends up injured because of a lack of solid preparation or understanding in oftentimes both themselves and their horse. Situations that are entirely avoidable often result in injury or loss because of ignorance. Many times these circumstances are not as cut and dried as all the people with advice or opinions. And there does seem to be a lot of those. All those folks would like to make it or as simple as what you saw in a YouTube clip one time or whatever the case might be. It's not 
just a matter of, well, just show them who's boss or get right back on if you get bucked off. Like those are just cookie cutter, you know, quips and sayings and, and tradition and all that watered up in sometimes a not very helpful package. I'll tell you, a classic example of this is the real common opinion that you should never get off when you're facing a challenging situation with your horse. This is because, for many folks, getting off is basically quitting. Once they're off, that's the end of the conversation because the person lacks ground skills. And of course, you wouldn't want to end that way, showing the horse that refusing to try or freaking out or whatever is acceptable and they're going to get a release when they do that or don't do that. But if we have already made good, solid groundwork part of our study in horsemanship, then stepping off to continue the conversation, but in a different way, a way where maybe we're safer or more effective or can be more confident, well, then that's not a problem at all, is it? The cookie-cutter, cut-and-dried, never-step-off, when you're in one of these situations, it doesn't apply. It no longer applies. So there are literally thousands of possibilities when we start to look at factors that combine to form these dangerous situations. There's literally thousands of possibilities. Going into any of these circumstances basically blind with no plan or preparation would be similar to going to get your driver's license with absolutely no prep work, no study. You didn't study the, the road rules and the, and the um, driving instruction manual. You didn't practice with your parents. You just, you turn 15 and a half or 16 or whatever, and you just go down to get your driver's license. Well, you may or may not pass those tests. And then continuing to, quote, just trail ride, without intentionally bettering your horsemanship and skills, your understanding of the horse and, and how to ride him, how to communicate more effectively. That would be like that same uninformed 16-year-old saying, well, they don't really need to get any better at driving because they're not going to be a professional race car driver. So you're not wanting to compete in dressage. You're not wanting to compete in reining. You're not worried about accuracy or punctuality or precision or refinement or maneuverability or athleticism so you don't need to understand any of those pieces or better horsemanship or better riding. It never ceases to amaze me how much people get away with not knowing about their horses but so many of them don't get away with it at some point. This lack of intentional improvement can also be a detriment to the horse. Not just the rider, not just us being injured, not, not just scary situations for us, but also detrimental to the horse who is not ridden well. Any dude can just sit on a horse and meander down a trail. But if you notice, older trail horses who are ridden a lot and may be in top cardiovascular fitness, You'll see many who are quite weak in the core and top line and lots who have a big sway in their back. This is because of the lack of proper gymnastic development 
and correct riding that builds and sustains a strong core and top line. So they are ridden a lot, but they are not ridden well. Now there's a lot to this, and basically this is a subject for another time. While we're talking about trail riding, which in theory is amazingly simple, let's take a couple of the most common issues that folks face. The first would probably be that of a spooky horse. There may or may not be consistent objects or situations that you can put a finger on, but it's usually more important that we address the principle, the general idea of response in spite of trouble. Make sure you check out episodes 3, 21, and 22. Also, there's two videos. I've got two videos in my online video library, one of which we actually have for free. Send me a message or an email, and I'll send you a link to that free video, Response in Spite of Trouble. It's a great video. deals with a young Lusitano gelding that I was starting who was terrified of bicycles. Fantastic footage that we were able, that we were able to capture there. Check it out. Most folks in these situations see they want to zero in on desensitization. And the main reason for that is because that's what's preached the most by horse trainers. Of course there's a need for that, but many times the way it's addressed is not really that beneficial to the horse. It's not thorough. It doesn't actually always build better understanding and acceptance and confidence. At the standstill, lots of repetition. These things are only one way of addressing these issues, and it often leaves a horse either frozen, frozen up, bottled up, or bored to death. This is yet another subject for another time. I do have other resources on this, but let's stay focused here. So response in spite of trouble. In a nutshell, we need to prepare the horse to know that trying to listen to your direction and allowing you to direct them will result in the safety and comfort they're looking for rather than the flight that comes more naturally to them. This can be done incrementally. It can be done and should be done intentionally even starting on the ground in safe settings that you are in control of, rather than waiting until you've got all these factors stacked against you that are also out of your control. This gives us the ability to redirect them when they spook instead of either leaving them to finish it because a little jump is all they do or, you know, it gets worse and worse to the point it turns into a horse that is bolting or run away. Again, I encourage you, go back, episodes 3, 21, 22. I cover this. I talk about this pretty specifically. And then I've got two different videos about response in spite of trouble in my online video library. Most folks have trouble when they jump straight in the deep end, doing too much all at once. Or in other words, asking their horse and maybe themselves to deal with a combination of factors in situations that are most likely out of their control and out of their comfort zones. Again, the rider's comfort zone maybe, but also the horse's comfort zone. All these factors, they're away from home, they're around other horses, strange horses or no horses, so they've changed the herd dynamic, the horse is having a hard time finding his comfort and safety in his trust of your leadership and 
it just makes him spooky. There's just too many things going on. You add to this then, many times, it seems like fellow writers lack patience or good advice in these deals, and it becomes a case of survival. Basically, you're just trying to make it through, trying to make it happen. You know, the old, oh, let me get across and you just follow my horse across. You'll be fine. You know, that's just a classic case of just let's make it happen. Uh, we're not going to wait for you. are not going to wait while you try to get your horse to think about this and it's going to be okay. No, just, just get over it, you know. It, it just blows, blows my mind. Basically, you're making it to the end of the ride <laughs> alive rather than really gaining confidence, building that confidence in either the horse or you as the rider, true confidence through trust and understanding. That's why in my on-the-trail horsemanship clinics, that's exactly what we focus on is first the skills on the ground and under saddle to communicate better, to improve our horsemanship. And then we go out and we apply those things in real life, in real time, dealing with those obstacles in those situations. And we're not in a big hurry to get anywhere. We're not in a big hurry to get to the you know, end of the trail or whatever it is, but we want to build confidence in the horse and rider, better understanding. So the way I always put this, and this applies to anything, is that we need to break it down and address the pieces that make up the whole. Whatever it is you want to do with your horse, there are pieces that make up the whole. So if going on a group trail ride is your dream, then you want to be able to assess what factors there are or could be that would have a negative impact on your horse. Then you get creative to find ways to measure the level of exposure of those factors in a controlled environment so that you can help your horse find better answers and greater confidence around those things. The other most common issue is that of being barn sour or buddy sour. These are really just negative terms that describe a horse that is looking for the safety and comfort they require in another horse or another place. So on the one hand, they're completely understandable and natural things. On the other hand, it can be extremely frustrating and even dangerous when we try to just force our way or show them who's boss. And then we think we're winning when the forcefulness makes happen what we want to have happen. But really, we're only teaching a horse how to fight the human. We have started a battle. We have started it to be the battle. Horses don't have a fight with humans until we show them and teach them how to fight. One of the most effective ways, and really the basic idea of a big way to address this, lies in the old saying, make the right thing easy and the wrong thing difficult. Typically, us humans do the exact opposite of this. When a horse wants to be somewhere or near another horse, we tend to try to make them be somewhere else. So right there, we're making, trying to make the wrong thing impossible. We're not allowing them to explore their options and make their own choices based on what we've set up. We're trying to force things. This makes the wrong thing impossible and the right thing hard. There's no easy option, so there's no right, real, 
right option in the horse's mind when we do it this way. When we do that, we pick up where they're at mentally or emotionally and start to fight them from there instead of picking up where they're at and begin to redirect their focus and help them change their mind, help them change their mind or feel better about their situation. So again, going back to the strategy of finding and fixing the pieces that make up the whole, we can work on discouraging the buddy or barn sourness progressively in controlled situations putting them to work with some intensity when they insist on going somewhere else or being next to that other horse, lets them experience, quote, wrong thing hard, and showing them as much rest and release as we can when they are further away or out of sight or whatever the case might be, sets up right thing easy. A game of leapfrog can be a fun way to build on this. If you have one or two other horses that, and riders that will work with you, um, a fairly safe trail or space to work this on, leapfrog. So in other words, you're trotting past these other horses. You're working or there's intensity. You may even circle them or do figure eights at, at a trot, you know, when they're in proximity to this other horse. And then you trot way out there ahead of them and you get some distance and you ease off and the intensity drops away the further away you get from them. And then maybe the other horse has an issue. Maybe he doesn't, but they trot up and they pass you. And the closer they get, the more intense you make it for both of you if they both have issues, you know. And, and then there's the separation again, and you get left behind a little ways. And so you're, you're working on them experiencing intensity when they're in proximity to each other. But you're also working on getting past, which can affect horses sometimes quite a bit passing other horses or getting past and also getting left behind or going way out front again that separation and distance and being out of sight and that is when you're you're not putting any work or intensity on them so the right things easy right there and this is just one example it can take a fair amount of time and consistency working through these things but it's only one of several strategies that can help I've got more I covered in a video on my YouTube channel on this. You can look it up. True West Horsemanship is my channel. And uh, the video is uh, Separation Anxiety. I believe you, you can search Separation Anxiety. But regardless, my point is, see, that we need to recognize these problems and address them specifically and intentionally in order to eventually achieve the bigger picture or the larger goals or dreams that we have. When it comes to something as simple as trail riding, we really don't want to sell ourselves short by thinking that we don't need to become students of the horse, that we don't really have a need for improving our horsemanship. I mean, we've only just talked about the possible factors that we're aware of. Better understanding and skills will also help prepare you for those things you'd never dream could happen, those things that you would never foresee those crazy out-of-the-box situations that do happen that you would never, you know, it's just a once-in-a-lifetime kind of a thing. This preparation, better skills, better understanding, better horsemanship will help in those situations as well and in ways that, you know, you couldn't even describe. So let me encourage you in your journey. Whether you've just bought your first horse or you're coming back into riding after a season, 
or you've been around horses your whole life, look for ways to up your game, like listening to this podcast. Finding information has never been easier than it is these days, but discerning what is actually good info can be very difficult and time-consuming. If you liked this episode, make sure you check out our huge range of resources. More podcast episodes, our YouTube channel, hundreds of videos on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Or we have a unique, ever-growing online video library at truewesthorsemanship.com. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Keep a leg on each side and your mind in the middle. We'll catch you down the road. Well, that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to Life in the Saddle podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share and leave a five-star rating or review. Remember, you can find us on social media or our website, truewesthorsemanship.com.